Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler. And if everyone else deserts you, friend of the pod, I will not. I will never desert you. I tell you the truth. Barry's here to talk about his sermon, coronavirus, and Grace Church. But before we drink from the bitter cup of suffering, now that they couldn't even stay awake to keep watch for one hour, let's welcome in our favorite Perupolos co-hosts, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Hey, good day. Good day. We're doing. Are you? Um, are we going to explain? Yeah, we're, we're on the road. We're taking the show on the road. We are mobile. <laughs> we're podding from home, everyone. Yeah. So my first question, Tyler, is why would you use that microphone when you have that much nicer microphone right behind your head? So we're doing a test here. We are recording this via video conferencing. So we're going to have a video version of this podcast put up on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere. And then... My prediction, that's going to be the first Grace video to reach a million views. <laughs> oh, this is the sure. one. <laughs> for sure. Highest tech thing we've ever done. Uh, yeah, that's in, audio quality. In answer to your question, I can't hook up this microphone to the podcast uh, board. <laughs> Why? I can only have this one. Well, okay, great. Maybe I can. I just, I don't know how. So, um, and I've, full disclosure, for anybody watching this video versus listening to it, um, we've had uh, leadership meetings every day, and I've been sitting in this seat for, I don't know, what, Barry, what is it, a week and a half now? And yeah. every, every time we have a meeting, I'm sitting in this room. And today, we had an all-staff meeting where I was sitting in this room. And behind me, friends of the pod who are not watching, is just like wood paneling from the 70s. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I got really self-conscious about it. And so I moved a shelf full of books behind me for this. So because yeah. I'm super self-conscious about it. <laughs> so people... Uh, I'm, I, the things I go, the lengths I go to, and I even included metal <laughs> and like Macho, Macho Man Randy Savage and uh, Scarf up there, and yeah, the microphone. So I'm, it's like I'm, I'm going all. You did life. that because you were you were insecure during staff meeting yes. about your seventies wood paneling. Yes, you're like a set stylist. You're a stylist. <laughs> well, had Marin not called me out in the middle of staff meeting. And I'm now, hey, now, you were calling me out for my giant coffee mug. Yeah, that's true. So, listeners, you got to understand some of the situation that we're facing right now. Marin and I cannot hear the soundboard, so Tyler could very well be completely, like, destroying anything we're saying, and we would have no way of knowing. You I started speaking a moment ago, and he said, Barry, I was just recording the intro, and I didn't <laughs> even know. So. Yeah, we got we to gotta figure out this tech setup, because Marin and Barry cannot hear like this. You shall not pass. They can't hear anything. No. So, no. Uh, something to think about. Yeah, something right. to think about. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a new game. You guys guess what sound effects I'm playing. <laughs> maybe that's a new game. I, am so I love scared. squirrel noises. Yeah. Uh, guys, this is week two of quarantine. We're in the middle of coronavirus. How are you guys doing? What's going on? This is the first um, one we've done like this. Like, I'm usually like in your faces. I miss you. Yeah, yeah last time last time we met, we did our pod live. I mean, we were together. Yeah. And it, it was kind of like we were right at the point of wondering whether we should still be doing that from a <laughs> yeah. you know, a quarantine standpoint. We could we weren't quite there. Yeah. But I don't know that, that this pod <laughs> counts as essential uh, yeah. you know, an essential activity for the state of Indiana, but I, uh, I could be wrong. 
<laughs> Tell that to the people. Where was it? Where we're number 30th in Christian podcasts in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Tell the Saudi Arabians <laughs> that we're not essential, essential okay? <laughs> what's your life uh, been like the last 10 days? What you get what like what's life look like for you guys right now? Marin, you go first. Um, everyone keeps asking me how my kids are doing, and I've said it on last week's podcast. I'll say it again. The kids are great. Um, Desi care about is living kids. I think so. I think I think that's just where people's minds go. Like, because obviously they're out Jed. of school. Everyone should be worried about Jed. He's <laughs> this is he's outside. Nightmare. He's outside doing yard work <laughs> right now. <laughs> he is. I mean, he lost sports. Yeah. He just had knee surgery, so he can't, you know, go running. Um, even I, like, have been serving at the care center, so I feel like I have an outlet in terms of being able to leave the house and go to work. And he doesn't even have that. He's so social. He's missing yeah. all his friends. We're missing the Fisher's YMCA. So we went and bought, like, a stationary, like, spin bike. Yeah. Just so, like, be little hamsters on a hamster wheel. And like still break a sweat in our home. That's the newest addition. Is that to our, is that working? Um, I I don't love it. It's a little wobbly. There's like a screen mounted to it. Wobbly. And when, when you're riding the bike, it's like like you know like the screen itself is wobbly. Um, so we'll see if What'd that's you get something. At like a garage sale. We got it at sales right now. No one is having garage sales. We got it at Best Buy and we had to like drive up and like curbside service this thing. I'm just proud of us for assembling the bicycle together as a team. Oh, you guys had to put it together. No wonder it's wobbly. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, you got to, got to tighten some bolts or something. I bet. (laughs) Took it home. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're a little bit, we're a little bit, uh, bored to tears. Uh, trying to like find ways to do all the things that I say that I want to do, but never have time for. Like so, what? Such as like actual phone calls. Ooh. Like I text a lot. I email a lot. But as of late, I'm like, I should actually call that person and hear their voice and have a conversation. That's such a so novel you've idea. You've been doing that. Yeah. Are people answering? Yes. They're receptive. They're pumped. And calling me. And I find that when they do call me, I'm like, oh, I get really excited. And then I answer the phone. Like, this yeah. is really. <laughs> what is happening to you? I, know, I, I usually don't answer the phone. <laughs> like in normal circumstances. I'm like, oh, there must have been a mistaken some, call. Surely they would text me if they needed anything. Yeah, the only time I answer is if somebody like does the immediate call back. That's the only time yeah. I answer, which happened today, yeah. but it was an accidental call. Yeah. I don't know. Like, have you guys found that since people know your home, like there's nowhere to hide. It's not like, oh, sorry, I was really busy. <laughs> there's nothing else wrong. to do. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm not having that experience at all. I feel I feel like I may be busier than I was before the pandemic. Yeah. Like I I'm spending That's so true. much time. I've actually had to start like cracking down on the lead team having late night like messaging sessions about <laughs> Late chats. the latest thing that just came out or the, did you hear about this person? And it's just like, yeah. I, the other day I was literally like, all right, guys, everyone take the night off. We're done. We're, we'll come back to this in the morning. This isn't urgent. We'll fit. But it's like, because there's no quote unquote office hours, you know, right. it's just like, it's just nonstop. It's just constant. So I, 
I don't know. I feel like I'm, I thought I was going to be having all sorts of free time and it just hasn't really worked out that way for me yet. Yeah. I'm still holding telling, out hope. I was telling it, somebody, I don't know, it's all blurring together, but I was telling somebody that at the beginning of the year, I set these like micro uh, resolutions instead of just one big new year's resolution. I'm setting micro. So there's like one a month. And March was be present at home when I'm at home and be present at work when I'm at work. Are you serious? Like, like that's impossible. That, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's right. Wow. <laughs> your home you is your work now. Luckily, April is no sugar. So it's just going to get easier from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll be fine because the sugar will run out by that point and the yeah. stores will be out of it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. All right. So obviously the fact that we can't be around people a little bit different, but what else, like, Marin, you said you're doing care center stuff. What what else does life look like right now? How like what are some of the biggest things that you're like, man, this isn't the way life was a week ago? What are some things you're noticing? I can go uh, unless you were asking that specifically of Marin. Were you asking well, everybody, that everybody? Okay. Um, I think what's interesting is uh, Liv and I are like. Just to, when we do have, when I have free time, we're just taking care of projects around the house and finally getting to cleaning the garage. And so, uh, yeah. I'll be honest, like, I think we're both kind of homebodies. And so this is not a major issue for us. Like we, we, we do miss our families and friends, but we're kind of like, <laughs> like days will go by and we'll be like, Oh, we haven't seen anybody for a while. And we're like, okay, we'll just keep, keep doing our stuff. And you know, watch a movie tonight. Okay. It's like, oh my goodness. I think we're made for this kind of thing. Whereas others are definitely struggling. Yeah. Jed is definitely already trying to figure out who he could invite over. Like oh. he needs, he needs friends. He thinks that if we have like a gathering around a fire, supposedly this virus doesn't like, it'll burn like the, hot, it'll burn hot places. <laughs> and like, if we sit around our fire pit, we'll all be about six feet apart from each other anyway. So, but the weather has been so crummy. He hasn't even been able to do that. Now so, he's out prepared. He's just like he's, yeah, he's raking outside the window right now. Um, yeah. Luckily guys, we're, we're doing this potty training thing in the middle of coronavirus. <laughs> it has been a real treat. Like you, Barry, I'm just finding time to do all kinds of stuff yes. I want to do. Um, potty it training. has to be a blessing for Lauren to have you home. Oh yeah, during potty training season. Yeah, Corona season. So, we like I said, we've been we've leadership has been meeting leadership of Grace has been meeting every day for hours, and I'm into my basement right now. And when we take breaks and stuff, I go upstairs, and every time I go upstairs, it's like relief. <laughs> so it's if, if we take breaks it, it sometimes i just like need to stay down here otherwise it's it's like the kids see dad and it's time to and they just kind of like overwhelm time to party yeah. but uh lauren got milo some new toys today like the the magna tiles do you know these magna tiles where they're magnets but you can stack them and oh yeah different shapes and stuff so she brought those home and within 43 seconds they were in the toilet. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going it's going great. Everything smooth sailing over here. <laughs> Body training. Oh man. All right. So um one question that well first of all 
when we were kind of trying to assess, when, when we continue to try to assess from Grace, like what are the services we have to keep doing? What are people looking forward to? What, what are the things that we can do as like touch points to our congregation? Between Sundays is one of those things. I mean, we have 800-ish people that listen to this thing every week. And so I, I, I want to make sure that like this is a part, this is a encouragement in the middle of people's weeks. And uh, one way to do that is, I mean, we all obviously all work at churches, but I think people that are in despair, like Jed or Lauren, where where have you guys seen God in your lives? Like in the last 10 days, where, where are you guys seeing God's presence existing? That's a great question. I love that I should... now viewers <laughs> get to see your facial reactions when I ask you spur of the moment questions. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I should go get Jed and let him answer your question. Um, is Jed in the fetal position? Again, he is raking, raking the yard. <laughs> um, I, I really loved live streaming church together as a family Sunday mm. morning. I think it's something... It's something I'll never forget, even just the way we were positioned in our living room. Desi was in her jammies, curled up on the couch with our dog. They were like holding, she was holding her paw. I think like if Desi could bring Maggie to church every Sunday, she would. And she would just stand there and hold her paw and worship. Rabbits and um, He must be doing a right about squirrel noises. That's my guess. When I do that, can you guys still see me? <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, okay, so see a really great photo of you from like five years ago. <laughs> that's our cue to be quiet because you're playing a soundbite. That's your cue that I'm doing that <laughs> when you can't see me anymore. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she was curled up on the couch. It was adorable. Jed and Jaden stood in worship the entire time, like they would oh, wow. at church. That's cool. It was just the cutest thing. Yeah. It was really cool. So, I mean, I always love going to church with the family. We always kind of talk about the sermon afterward anyway but to do it from mm. home was really something special and seems like that's how it's going to be at least for the next couple of weeks so it's that's something i really appreciated and I, I heard jed on the phone the other day so i guess i could speak for him he was telling somebody about how you know he always has the best of intentions with you know quiet times regular quiet times or getting to a book he hasn't gotten to read or and now there's kind of no excuse. It is like a forced, like, slowing down. I feel like we all like to slow down, and then it actually slows down, and we're like, what do we do? What do we do now? You know. So yeah. I think it's, in that way, it's been really a lovely thing. I have not found that my kids are overwhelmed with homework. Um, it oh, seems are, you, like are they, you doing the homeschool teacher thing, or are they kind of good to go? There? They are very much on their own <laughs> there really my, my hand holding anymore um but they're doing really well as far as i can tell um desi we got her a new toy the other day um it was called instagram oh I uh, uh-oh i saw she's on there she's on there now it's, it's a new season a new season for us are like we elect that, a follower or her, that's are you? public <laughs> uncle tyler and <laughs> Uncle Barry are allowed. Yeah. We'll be, uh, we'll report anything uh, untoward. Yeah, seriously. Yes. No, so a lot of their communication coming through, like for Merge and things like that for the high school group, um, was coming through Instagram. And that's, 
as far as her small group, like that is where they gather. So it, it seemed like it was a fitting time to bring that into her life. So yeah, kind of new things. Yeah. Hopefully. Good thing. Barry, where are you seeing God in your life these days? Um, well, I would say the, the number one way, the thing that popped into my mind when you said that is just to, to see how, um, how grace church, how people have responded to all of this. I think I kind of came into this wondering, like, is this it? Are we toast? Like, is, is the church going to like decline in significant ways? Cause people are just going to, they're, they're losing that ability to, you know, meet in public or meet in person or whatever. And I was wondering, I didn't know, you know, is our giving going to shrivel up and we're going to end up having to be, you know, in crisis mode, but the exact opposite is what's happened. Um, I think church was something that people viewed as very optional before. And now that it's this unique, special thing, I think people are like really prioritizing it. Plus they've got nothing else to do. So uh, (laughs) they're, they're like, they're there and they're on and they're, they're chatting on this live stream and they're engaging and praying for one another. And like, I was like, I'm, so that's been cool. I'm like, whoa, all right, the church is stepping up. But even with things like giving and stuff, I've seen uh, in the last two weeks, our giving has been stronger than it's been like since the beginning of the year on a week by week basis. And so people are like, they want to stay engaged. They want to provide for uh, to us keeping our care center open. They want to provide for our staff. They want to keep our, our ministries going. And so yeah. That's been, I, I feel like God has really used that to encourage me in some significant ways. Cause I don't think I, I don't think I really knew what to expect mm-hmm. uh, as we got into this. Now, of course, who knows? Things may, may change eventually. Perhaps people might get bored of, of doing church every week. But as far as right now, I'm really, I'm really encouraged by the energy. Um, and I, I don't know if everyone's even heard this, but we don't really have a great way of knowing exactly how many individuals are watching but we can see how many people are logged in at any given moment watching the live stream. And I mean, based on our best guess estimates and we have, we get some people to tell us how many people are watching with them. And it probably averages out, averages out to about 2.1 people or 2.2 people per login. Mm. All all that to say, if we were to look at the numbers and just take a a ballpark estimate, it seems like our attendance is actually higher than it was Mm. in person (laughs) before we started uh, wow. coronavirus thing. So I don't know. It's, it's encouraging. It's cool. games to go to. That's true. Let's just go to church. <laughs> no, that's super encouraging. And who would have yep. saw that coming? That's incredible. Yeah. I yeah. can't. One of the things that it takes me a while to catch up to is just how fast information is changing. Yeah. And, uh, like I, like we've said a couple times, our leadership is meeting every day, and for the first, I mean, for hours at a time. For the first couple of days, I was like, "Is this overkill? Like, do we really need to meet every single day?" But now that we're two weeks in, I feel like we're not meeting enough. I feel like we're not talking enough, and that's because mm. I, I see God in like you kind of like you said, like I and, and the people that are, have been stepping up to serve the vulnerable. Uh, and the people that are being severely impacted, even right now, like this is just the beginning yeah. of like losing jobs and um, not having enough yeah. resources uh, for what's to come. And I've been, I've seen God and the people that are stepping up, like you said, Barry, f- whether it's financially or in our staff that Marin, you, what? 
What is happening? What was that? Did Jaden just... A child dropped something down the stairs and <laughs> see if it was Jaden. Is it one of the pans? <laughs> what did you drop, son? His phone, you guys. His phone. Uh-oh. His e- phone. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of friends of the pod. I'm proud of people that are dropping some green bags off. I'm proud of staff who, other than like medical professionals, are kind of on the front lines of like, like there are people hand in hand with like strangers at, you know, giving them their groceries, you know, and I'm proud. I'm proud that this church is not scared of that kind of stuff. I'm proud that. Um, yeah, that's, that's where God has shown up and that's where I've seen God kind of the most in the last two weeks. It's like, I went from being like, is this, do we really need to be meeting every day and talking about this stuff? But hearing the stories of people's lives that are being negatively impacted until they interact with somebody or something of grace church gives them hope. That is where I've seen God show up more than anything else in the last few weeks. I yeah. just I just got back from a shift at the care center before we sat down to do this podcast. And um, I would agree with you, Tyler. It's it's something that is awe-inspiring and makes me incredibly proud to work where I work and to attend church where I attend church because there is a need that is only getting larger by the day. And it's, it's I think to add to what you said, it's more than... We're not afraid of this thing. That's my dog. Listen, you told me to wear the headphones because it was going to block out background noise. Yeah. Good. People understand. But we're, we're adapting. It's, I don't, I just want to make sure that our listener or our viewer now understands that it's not just that we're not afraid of the virus and we're kind of throwing caution to the wind. No, that's not what I meant. We've adapted like brand new innovative ways of still being able to not just provide people with food and even medicine. We have over counter medicine at our food pantry. I don't know if a lot of people know that, um, cleaning supplies and toiletries. And I mean, everything a grocery store would have, we're able to supply our community and we haven't taken choice away from them Mm. where again, it would be very easy to just, the easiest thing would be have all of us staff people just, assembly line loading things into bags but it's so important for us that our care center friends are treated with the same dignity that anybody at a regular grocery store would be treated with and so we've had to innovate ways to be able to still provide them with the freedom of choosing what it is they actually need what it is they actually can eat yeah um, it is that they want and doing it in a way that we avoid any kind of cross-contamination whatsoever. So I feel safe when I'm working there as a, as a staff person. I've got gloves, and Marcus was walking around with a can of Lysol, just spraying the world. I mean, I, I feel safe, and mm. I feel like our clients, or not clients, our care center friends' safety is of the utmost concern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm hearing of stories of people who, uh, they, you know, going to a food pantry wasn't even on their radar, you know, a few weeks ago. And then suddenly maybe both spouses lose jobs and all of a sudden they're just like, wait, what is going on? And, and many of them have found grace and the care center through that. And I mean, we're serving now over 600 families a week in this new environment and, and many of them are new. And I don't know, it's just very, 
it's really uh, it's really cool. I think yeah, people we we happen to be there. We're not starting from scratch. In other words, we're we're already there. Yeah, and it's just a matter of scale yeah. to be able to to meet the need. It's not a matter of well, what are we supposed to do? How do we how do we help our neighbors? No, we're already there. And yeah, yeah, and even that is like as you ask how I see God in this, like we we had we had the systems in place we had the programs in place we had the things in place to be able to address a mass need even as other churches are having to kind of clamor to figure out how they're going to do this online thing or i saw my church in chicago who doesn't have any live stream capability is they're just closed until may 1st so i just oh, wow. even seeing that wow we already had everything in place to be able to continue operating as Grace Church in this strange alternate universe. Um, even that, I feel like, you know, for such a time as this, that yeah. he endowed us with what we would need to be able to be the church in this time. And I'm so grateful yeah. for that. Yeah, same. Yeah. The bad news is, I mean, there's there's quite a bit of bad news, but I haven't been sleeping that great past few nights and it's because i know when i wake up we're going to do these zoom meetings and i'm going to yeah. get more bad news and yeah. so there's a lot of people obviously experiencing brokenness and suffering i mean one of our some of our staff are like spouses are concerned about jobs and mm -hmm. people that i know like have lost two jobs in one day and it's just more bad news and so it it's good to to feel like we're contributing to something that is light in, in the midst of so much darkness and brokenness. Yeah. All right. So to keep some semblance of normalcy, we're here to talk about <laughs> someone's uh, dropping something again. Tell, uh, tell Jade, I'll, I'll wait. That is my dog going down the stairs. <laughs> is it really that loud? No, oh, this microphone is good. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know. It's <laughs> We're in a pandemic. Everybody understands. All right, Barry, you gave the master class of eye contact this past weekend. Oh, yeah. You gave us your sermon. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Actually, I want to talk about that separate from the content of the sermon. I want to talk about, you guys were both involved last week. Yeah. Can you talk about a little bit about the process in which you you went through? Like, Barry, you recorded your sermon on a different day. Like, that was yeah. three yeah, days Yeah, cats early. out of the bag. If you didn't. If you didn't know that already, friends of the pod, now you know. It's fine. It was. Why, why do we need to pretend? Behind the curtain. Yeah, here we are. Uh, yeah, we actually we recorded on Thursday. Um, basically, we were starting to hear rumors of yeah. what ultimately did happen, but we were hearing rumors that Indiana was going to experience a shutdown, um, and we and we didn't know to what degree that was going to affect our ability to to do a live service, and so we decided, all right, let's get let's get the some worship folks together and our campus pastors and me and let's let's record it all on thursday that also allows us to have the time to have um, spanish translation for the whole service which then we can post live along with the service uh, as a service to our our um, spanish-speaking community which is so cool so we did all that we ended up doing it on thursday what that meant for me though is that i had to extremely truncate my my normal sermon writing process and um, i had already done i always do my research and stuff weeks ahead so I'm, i wasn't 
I wasn't trying to like exegete the passage that day. I'd been thinking about it and I pretty much had an outline in my head, but I had not written a word. <laughs> till, and, and also because the week ended up being so much more busy than I thought, um, I ended up writing the entire sermon on Thursday, driving straight to church and then giving the sermon immediately, which I'm, I'm, oh! yeah, yeah. I, it's a so pandemic. I, Everybody understands, right? <laughs> but that was the craziest uh, experience. I, I knew that. I knew that. And, you know, I mean, as, as is pretty normal, you know, the band will play and go back to the green room. And so at one point I found myself the only person in the auditorium watching <laughs> deliver this message because I knew that you, you written, you had just written it. And it yeah. was like, it was like wow. watching it for me. It was like watching a baseball. Great. I was just like, baseball. Wow. It was incredible, Barry. <laughs> oh, whatever. Thank you. Stuttering right now. How is he not searching well, that, for words? That makes the eye contact even more impressive. Oh my goodness! Because it was guys, like guys. Come I don't, on. I don't know what your normal process is, but <laughs> I'd be I'd be trying to memorize those things word for word. And if you just wrote it and then did the the eye eye contact thing with the camera, like we got a lot of comments on your eye contact. <laughs> well stuff. i think i texted i think i texted you it's like it's a lot easier to make eye contact uh with one specific spot rather than trying to do it the whole room especially because yeah. that camera doesn't look away awkwardly when yeah. i lock eyes with it <laughs> as a lot of people do yeah. like they always like look down like nope 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 i'm not i'm not having the pastor look at me yeah so, well i i appreciate that guys i i my prayer at the beginning of that sermon, which I said, you heard me say it, I prayed that, that I would disappear and the Holy Spirit would remain. So if mm. I managed to, to convey something of the truth of the gospel through that message, that was not because of me. That was because God was, was speaking. So, but I appreciate that. Thanks. Cool. All right. You know what I think, you know what I think real quick? What? Here's why I knew how to do the eye contact thing, because I had done so many of those Facebook live things where I was looking at my webcam, uh, with oh, BYOP yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got used to, I, I don't know, routinely making eye contact while speaking and stuff like that. Yeah, so, even who knows? right now, I don't even know where my camera is on my device. <laughs> if I if I look at that green dot, am I suddenly making eye contact? Yes, you? yes, you are. That's how. That's what I always do. Whenever I'm in meetings, whenever I'm talking to you, you I just naturally do that. Okay, because yeah. I've been looking. I look at right. It's actually just. It's about. It's about like a millimeter to the left of the green oh, dot is, is really your weird. camera. But this is, and you know what, this is all from, from my years of traveling with world next door. I had to make so many Skype calls, uh, over the years that I got used to like good Skype etiquette. Anyway, for yes. such a time as this, I guess here we are. Hey, I got a lot <laughs> to learn. It takes me everything. It takes everything in me to just get books behind me. Yep. Uh, all right. So let's talk about your sermon. It is okay. week number two in our, our current sermon series in the moment. And uh, you focused on the Garden of Gethsemane. So for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, can you kind of rehash the the big idea or what you wanted people to really hear or understand this past weekend? Sure. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're following the story of uh, the moments that led up to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus through the eyes of the Apostle Peter, just because he um, just is such a unique character and it's just an interesting way to look at these really heavy moments um, and give them some focus. And so on this particular week, we looked at what happened right after the Last Supper when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives, just east of Jerusalem, uh, to pray and uh, talked a little bit about what he was praying and the significance of what he was praying. Uh, but, but the story really points out the fact that 
his inner circle, his three best friends that he brings with him to support him and give him kind of emotional support uh, as he's grieving and, and this, this anguish that he's feeling about uh, about what he's about to experience. Uh, and they just fall asleep. I mean, granted, they were tired. They had had a long day. But ultimately, what, what we see in the story, uh, especially in the way that Matthew puts it, is you see a foreshadowing of the disciples abandoning Jesus through the crucifixion. They're, they're not able to keep their eyes open to help. They're not even able to fight sleep um, to support him, give him moral support. Um, and of course, that's just a foreshadowing of what's going to come when they all abandon him, especially Peter, who actually denies even knowing him. Um, and this, you know, in the narrative is completely intentionally contrasting uh, their their inability to help at all with all of their bravado and all the, you know, the statements they were making about like, oh, I would never do this. And, oh, we can do whatever. We'll be with you all the way and all that. And then, of course, the moment that he gets turned up, they all crumble. So, um, yeah, I guess the, the ultimate storyline is that. But then I also brought in. Uh, you know, so I, I try to get us in the mindset of Peter. And then at the end, I talked about uh, the sort of. Uh, what did I say? I don't even remember the epilogue to the story, which is in the Gospel of John, where Jesus oh, yeah. essentially forgives and reconciles Peter um, by, you know, we could talk more about it by by asking him if he loves him three times and then telling him to take care of his sheep, feed his sheep. And it was essentially calling Peter into this deep life of purpose and and into his destiny, into his into his calling, um, not in spite of the fact that he messed up, but through it, he was calling him to that. And so ultimately, the message was essentially uh, me saying, "Look, Peter's life is very. We all, in some way, are like Peter. We've all let shame and failure, and you know, we've all let Jesus down in some way." Um, but Jesus calls us to a life of purpose and forgiveness and love and healing, not not in spite of that, but through it. It it is through the forgiveness, through the reconciliation that we find our true purpose. And so that was essentially that was the big idea. That was where I was going with it. Through this, your your uh, your dad gave the message last week. But mm-hmm. are you are you painting these sermons with a brush of coronavirus like are you looking through the filter of what's going on <laughs> Marin? we can see you not literally <laughs> <laughs> but like do you know what i'm asking like are you yeah. are you thinking about the current state of things because when we first talked about this series we, it was months ago we talked about going through peter's kind of perspective and uh as you were going through the sermon. I'm just thinking about like life right now in coronavirus world. And it's still super applicable, like self-sufficiency versus trusting in God. Like the whole, everything you, you talked about seemed to be very applicable to the moment right now. So I'm wondering if, if you're, if you, when you wrote it on Thursday, like if you kind of thought about that or is that just kind of the way it happens? Um, I mean, yes, I was obviously in my mind, but I, I was not trying to tailor the Gethsemane story into a coronavirus message. Instead, I was just trying, I I included comments or thoughts along the way that applied to this circumstance. Um, But I think the reason it's, the reason it applies so well is because we're talking about some pretty fundamental truths about what it's like to be in relationship with the God of the universe. And so um, I just think talking about 
self-sufficiency versus trust, talking about um, whether we really, what, what was you know dad's message last week? Like, are we really um, all in with Jesus and, and are we willing to die to ourselves and all of that? Like, these are things that apply no matter what the circumstances are. Um, now there may come a time we we've taught, we've been talking about the possibility of actually doing um, a, a series of sermons that all do specifically relate to coronavirus themes, perhaps after, after Easter. But we, you know, as of this point, we felt now that the death and resurrection of Jesus carries with it so much weight that affects so much of our lives. It makes sense to continue to dig into it and, and hmm. make comments as, as, you know, along the way as, as needed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, one of the, one of the big things that stood out to me, one of the things you said is, you know, we talk a big game like Peter did or the bravado part, but when crisis hits, do we trust God or our own self-sufficiency? And I was mm-hmm. thinking about this and I think I even said it in one of the chats, one of the service chats, but for the past two weeks, my, my anxiety has been like steadily climbing. Uh, not, not just the health stuff, but if you would have told me a month ago that church is going to be canceled, but I'm going to be working like way harder and way more hours and there's potty training involved and six week old baby (laughs) and all this stuff. Like I I would have had no way of understanding what you were talking about, but all of a sudden the areas I'm responsible for, which is like communications and making sure people are set up with technology. Like all of a sudden that stuff, like there's pressure that didn't even exist And communications in a church is like already like pressure. And so there's way more pressure on these areas than there was two weeks ago. Like, and I've kind of internalized it. Like if that stream fails, man, on a Sunday morning, like Mm. it's my fault. And so I've been pushing myself, been pushing my teams to like do everything we can to make sure the experience for people during this time of like chaos is, 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 uh, non chaotic as possible. And so, you know, we've had, we've had technology issues here and there with the sermons and, um, I, I'm, I, I have to tell myself that, you know, I'm doing the best I can. It's not my fault, but the anxiety part is, is going up and up and up. And when you're talking about like bravado and when there's crisis, Mm -hmm. what, what am I 10, what are my tendencies? My tendencies have clearly to me the past few weeks, like there is a crisis. My tendencies are just to like push and go for it and make sure Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything I can make something perfect instead of trusting what God would have to provide our church in the moment and our congregation with what they need right now. Yeah. I've, I've struggled with, with the job change you know, suddenly all of our routines are upended and we're having to, again, be creative and adjust and innovate and do things differently. And on my end, what that meant was I had one day to get a bunch of songs under my belt because we recorded a bunch of extra songs on that Thursday. Again, not knowing what the future would hold if we'd be able to come back in, you know, or in if you got sick. Week. right. Or if any of us get sick and, yeah. Um, I am not a Penny Rodriguez caliber piano player. I am not Sarah Scarborough McLaughlin. Um, so I was, I was incredibly stressed and working incredibly hard mm. um, to just record ten songs 
in a day, <laughs> having one day yeah. uh, to work with all of that. Um, and like you, I think my answer to stress is to just go hard um, and do the best that I can, which I think is appropriate. But there's another element of that where I know that it is not my might and not my power, but by his spirit. Mm. And I feel like that is for all of us. As like you said, we can't rely on our own self-sufficiency. We can't rely on our abilities even as much as we are um, knowingly relying. We're knowingly dependent upon his spirit. Like even as we kind of think, what is church? If we can't come together and be in a building, um, what is church? We're so dependent. We're so dependent upon his spirit. Barry was dependent upon his spirit when he delivered that message in a day. And I was depending upon his spirit to have worship convey, even though it was recorded in in advance, that it would still be uh, alive and spirit filled and, you know, not feel canned come Saturday night or Sunday morning. Um, And the good news in all the bad news is that I think that his spirit has done that and is doing that. And that gives me like strength, encouragement, inspiration as we move forward further into the unknown. What are these next couple of weeks going to look like? What's Easter going to look like? Still don't really know, but we can know that his spirit will meet us there no matter what, no matter where we find ourselves. Yeah, Barry. One of the another thing you said is um, was really convicting to me that Jesus, in his full humanity, was was on display when he was consumed by sin. He was just, or the consequences of sin, and yet in the midst of it, he still turned to God completely. When he said, "You know, I want your will, but not, you know, not mine," and so yeah. I was really thankful that you included that. Was there any thoughts to, you said that was something that was really inspiring to you too. Is there any thoughts you had there on, on that moment? Yeah, I think what, what's really cool. And again, there's a lot of stuff as there always is that I wish I could have gotten into if there was more time, but um, there are echoes of the Lord's prayer uh, that he teaches his disciples throughout the prayers that he gives in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, the Lord's prayer, uh, you know, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name or, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth yeah, as it yeah, is in heaven. We know, we know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know. And anyway, if you look at what Jesus prays when he's in the garden, he prays. Uh, was that new King James? God is that what he just did? Maybe. No, God rules. He's doing some. <laughs> did you? What did you say? Which was one it, was it? Believe God. God believe rules. God. <laughs> <laughs> This is much harder when we can't hear it ourselves. Um, I can't wait to to hear back the official version. Um, So, but when you look at the prayers that Jesus prays, he says things like, uh, he says, my father. uh, And then he says, you know, your will be done. You know, uh, there's one more. Um, Anyway, regardless, it's, it's him actually praying the way he taught his disciples to pray, which is, ultimately dependence on God's will. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's really powerful to look at Jesus in his moment of deep, I mean, fear, obviously he, he, he knows, he, he knows what 
likely is going to happen, at least in his head. But how could you not be terrified to be fully separated from your father, to be fully separated from God? Like that, that concept doesn't even, doesn't even make any, any sense to me, but that's what he was, he was about to face. And so um, for him to say, if it's possible to not have to drink this, please let that be the case. But otherwise, if it's not possible, if this is the only way to save humanity, then so be it. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Like that is a model for us to to view and to see just how deeply uh, he trusted in his father. And I, it gives it should give us courage to say, okay, if he can do that, yeah, <laughs> how much can I trust God? So absolutely, I I think. I think often maybe given what I went through recently and my mom's struggle with cancer and losing my mom and all that, I read a book years ago, um, a Henry Nouwen book called Can You Drink the Cup? And it was all about like that, the cup of sorrow mm-hmm. or what whatever is in your cup for good and for bad. Um, he breaks it down in detail about like lifting the cup and observing what's in the cup and then choosing to accept whatever is in your cup for good and for bad. Um, like you said, if, if Jesus knowingly willingly chose to drink that cup of sorrow and the feelings of being separated from the father completely, which we can't ever know, like he's just always been with us. We don't even know what that feels like if he could go through that and come out on the other side of it, can I go through a worldwide pandemic and mourn my mom at the same time? Like mm. that is what is in my cup right now. I wow. can't call her about any of this. Um, I think about her every day and how she never even heard the, the words COVID-19, like mm. never on her radar, which in some ways is good, but in some ways it's like, man, I really wish that she were here right now just mm-hmm. to even talk to you. But then I started thinking about everyone I know, specifically in our church, who has lost a spouse or a loved one at some point recently and thinking about, wow, what must they be going through right now? Like, as this is, this is unprecedented for all of us, made so much more difficult for those of us who are currently mourning or currently grieving the loss of some kind. Like, to me, that that's a cup of suffering. That is like a yeah. bitter foaming cup of yeah. suffering. Um, and for like, there's just no way around that right now. Like that is what is in my cup. I think through Christ, I know that I can drink this cup to the dregs and I will come out the other side. Um, because he did. I, yeah. I don't know. I think there's, there's strength that we draw from Christ's suffering, knowing that he was a man of sorrows and, you know, he, if he is our example, why should we expect anything, anything else? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see that. And my tendency Maybe this makes me a pessimist, but my my tendency is to see, I think I talked about this last week, is to see like, well, it took everything in Jesus to like, he still wanted out, but he was going to submit anyways. What hope do I have? Like, that's super pessimistic view compared to what you right. said, Marin. That, that's, how do I be more like that? I, 
I just think just knowing that about yourself is the first, like, like when you know something, you can, you can make a conscious choice to try to think a different way or try to see a circumstance a different way. I was, uh, I was cuddling up with my daughter last night. We were not social distancing. We were like social snuggling and we were watching like a, a crime show like we always do. And this particular crime show was about some guy who was kidnapped and literally thrown in a pit like in the early nineties or something. And he was, like for ransom. Um, and he lived in this pit. He lived in this pit for two straight weeks before ransom. like for ransom before <laughs> he was rescued. Yikes. And when he was pulled out of this pit and he was, he was a former Marine. Like, so he kind of had like the mental fortitude to get through this horrific event in his life. But when they pulled him out of this pit, he said something to the effect of, you know, the good Lord saw fit to shine down on me. And, and I was rescued. And I was like, huh, I said, like, how many people would have been like, why did God let me be thrown in a pit for two weeks? Like, that wasn't his response to suffering. His response to suffering was the good Lord saw fit to rescue me after the darkest, worst two weeks of my life. Like, that is the mentality I want to have. But like you, Tyler, that's not my initial, that's not my go-to, like, I feel like for some people it is, and for some people, I think it takes a conscious, like marked effort to take suffering and to see it like through a more sanctified lens, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like, yeah. yeah, again, very like what you were talking about, how <clears throat> God will. God will redeem through a situation not like let's just take that situation set it aside the rest of your life i'm going to redeem he works through and in every situation good or bad and i think that's one of the things that makes him as incredible and beyond any other god known to man or any other small g god that exists like he can take something bad and use it for good he could take something bad and redeem it no matter what it is. And some people like me right now are like waiting to see the other side of, yeah. of the bed. You know, yeah. how are you going to redeem this? Well, that was one of my favorite moments in the worship set was the song. Uh, you took what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. I yeah. like that's that, that is how he operates. And, yeah. and um, I, I find I've, there are some specific people in my mind as I was talking about some of the shame that that we we tend to bear. Yeah. Some individuals that I've talked to who seem almost unwilling to allow themselves to let God redeem the shame from their past. They feel like they have to hold on to it, and and yet that's exactly what He does. He takes that, He redeems it, and then He may even use that brokenness as a way to shape your purpose to bring healing and life to others. And so, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's powerful and it's deep. One of the things Tyler, that, you, that I wanted to respond to when you were saying like, you know, if Jesus, you know, if Jesus was willing to do all of that, like I, I'm not Jesus, I can't even, you know, there's, how am I supposed to be able to, to yeah. surrender? Well, one of the things that 
this gets this gets like way too heavy and deep and theological, but it would be worthy of a, of a longer conversation another time. But um, when you look at the way that the Apostle Paul thought of suffering and his own the, the suffering that he was experiencing, especially that for for him doing the mission that he felt called, he thought of it as him joining with Christ in the suffering and the death that he already went through. Mm. So it wasn't like I'm paving some new, some new road of suffering. I'm simply joining with Christ in his suffering. Mm. And of course with that, knowing that resurrection is on the other side. And so to the point where there's some parts where it's actually gets a little weird because Paul starts referring to his suffering just directly as Christ's suffering. And you're like, all right, Paul, like you're, you're not Jesus, (laughs) you know, but, but that's how he sees it. He sees the, the pain and the suffering that he's doing for Christ as him joining with Christ in his suffering. And so in a sense, I, I guess in answer to your question, but simply it's like, you don't have to have the fortitude of Jesus because he already had it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be, you're simply, you're simply dying to yourself and falling in line with, with the mm-hmm. savior who paid the ultimate price, who, you know, died the ultimate death. And that's so good. that to me, that's the, that's the open door that allows us to, to, to enter into a broken world with, the full knowledge of the redemption that that is coming. Mm-hmm. So anyway, no, that's good. Uh, before we get to, I want to go more into the, the restoration and redemption, but before we do that, can we just talk about why the disciples blew it? Like, why'd they blow it? Because you said this is like nine minutes after the last supper where it's like super intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're all, yeah. they can't even stay awake shouldn't they have been able to connect the dots between what was happening and what they just heard in the upper room? Shouldn't they have been able to be like, Oh, this is what he meant. Let's stay. You think so. You'd think so. But let's remember these guys were probably teenagers. Marin, Marin, don't, many, many of them can see you, Marin. I can smile. I'm smiling. God, I'm so afraid to smile. No, I, not to, <laughs> I thought Dave did an excellent job of explaining just that last week when he talked about how intense it actually would have been in the upper room, I think, I think he so brought that to life for me that, that maybe even for the first time I was able to make a connection as to why they were so exhausted in the garden immediately following. Oh, so it was so intense that they were tired. Yeah. I think it was, you ever go through like a mind blowing ordeal and then it like takes the wind out of you or oh, keeps, for sure. gives you a yeah. sense of physical exhaustion. Yeah. Potty training. Um, <laughs> 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 Mind blowing. Potty That's... training. God help you, Tyler. You've got a long ways to go. My <laughs> that is mine. Okay. Um, no, sorry, Barry, but I, I think what, what Dave talked about last week, um, again, just kind of, painted that in a whole new light and really brought it to life for me. Um, those last moments in the upper room um, were incredibly tense. Yeah. And I would think that they were trying as hard as they could to stay awake in the garden, but just physically could not. Right. And even though I did, I explained there was a deeper meaning to it. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I mean, really, you've, I'm sure we've all been in that those circumstances where we're just bone tired and it's like you were standing i'm gonna i'm gonna keep watch for jesus and it's like actually i'm just gonna sit 
I'm just, I'm just going to sit, you know, that's, that, that rock looks really nice to sit on. Well, I guess I could lean, I could lean against it, you know, and then like two seconds later, you're just gone. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think it, I, I wonder, I, who knows, we, we don't have the details in the story, but I wonder if they really were like, I think I'll take a nap right now or whether they were like, <laughs> fight it, fight it. Yeah. I can't, I just, just, I'll, I'm going to close my eyes and just rest my eyes. I feel like if I was Jesus, I yeah. just would have been like, Hey, remember what I said? This is it. This is the moment. This is what, this is when yeah. it matters that you're awake. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to you. What you shifted tone. You said, I could end the sermon here, but I'm not going to do it. We're going to shift to yeah. John chapter 21. Why did you make yeah. that turn? I think well, it needed to come up at some point in this series. If we're talking about Peter, you really can't talk about Peter without that moment. Because that's the moment that, in a sense, that's like the hinge point for his entire life. That's the moment where he goes from the fisherman to the fisher of men. I mean, it's like the it's like the most beautiful narrative mm. moment for for Peter. Oh, we're getting a sound clip. You're a grown up boy. <laughs> I don't know what it was. We'll have to wonder. I'm gonna get a machete. No. And then I will die. I will die. You're a grown up boy. That's when, <laughs> that's when Peter became a grown up boy. That's right. That's right. He did. Um, but I, I went there because um, specifically because in the garden story, he falls asleep. Well, essentially, Jesus has to go off to pray alone three times. I'm not even sure that he wakes them up after the second time. He just lets him sleep, but he finds him sleeping again. Um, and then, of course, Peter denies Jesus three times later on in the story, which I'll, I suppose I'll, I'll revisit not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, and there's something so significant about the way that Jesus redeems him by asking him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times, in in a sense, echoing the three times that Peter said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. And it's almost like letting him speak the words, yes, of course I love you, but then Jesus is calling him three times to a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not just, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Okay, well, I forgive you, but do you love me? Okay, well, I forgive you. It, it's not that. It's, yeah. Peter, do you love me? great, well, then I've got a job for you to do. And, and that begins the kind of bigger purpose of Peter's life, which I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Ca- Roman Catholics think of him as the first pope. I mean, he's the beginning of the the leadership of the of the church after Jesus. So that's essentially um, that's why I wanted he to became a shepherd, it. right? Feed my sheep. Well, yes. Feed my yeah, sheep. Feed my sheep. And, and the, the there's so much... I mean, you could see him as sort of a deputy shepherd. Jesus didn't stop being the shepherd of the sheep, but that's one right, of the right. the imagery, the images that's so throughout the Gospels of Jesus. He's yeah. he's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And when you go back to the Old Testament, you see Yahweh depicted as the the warrior shepherd in Isaiah, and he, mm-hmm. God is referred to as a shepherd. He leads his flock in, in the Exodus 15. There's all these moments where God is a shepherd, and then Jesus becomes the shepherd, and now he's saying to Peter. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna shepherd my sheep, which mm-hmm. is such a powerful call. And so, isn't it? And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Absolutely. That's yep. And that's in the beginning of the Gospel of John where that happens, which is interesting. Um, so Peter doesn't doesn't turn out so great in the Gospel of John. He's kind of, <laughs> I think Tim Tim would tell you that that uh, that John was trying to correct a few. Uh, a few Peter had been a little too elevated in some places mm. uh, in the other gospels, according to to Tim. And so John wanted to like get things in order and be like, well, okay, he wasn't, 
He was, wasn't that great. Let me talk was, about uh, so. trolling Peter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that's what thinks a little bit. Anyway, all that to say, yeah, the the narrative arc is that yeah, upon this broken man, yeah, this failure, yeah, Christ will build his church. Yeah, and upon this, um, like freedom from shame. Yeah, like if yeah. if that is a description of the church, yeah, brokenness, failure, redemption through those broken places and that failure and freedom from shame. That's why I'm glad that. You you didn't make us wait another two weeks before you brought the the redemptive <laughs> yeah. side of that story yeah. because that that was like a a watershed story for me as an adult mm. Christian a young a young adult Christian having grown up a Christian Very my young. whole life having grown up a Christian my whole life and then I hit my twenties and and then I failed. Christ. Not to say I'd hadn't as a teenager or whatever, but the first real major like face plant to the earth <laughs> failure. Yeah. I yeah. felt like, how could I have done that? I already knew Christ. I already mm. knew his good. And Peter was the example that God brought me to personally to say, hey, he walked with me. He saw me perform miracles. He knew me in the flesh. And even he failed and denied me. Hmm. Um, but I didn't leave him there. I loved him and I love you. Like that's like pivotal to my life. Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite, my my favorite line that, that came to me as I was rapidly writing the sermon was, um, was basically, uh, the very fact that you failed, it makes you the perfect person to tell others about my grace. Mm-hmm. And that that's ultimately what it's about. I don't want you for your perfection. I want you for your love. And yeah. I'll let my grace take care of the rest. And so, yeah, Peter yeah. was not disqualified. Right. Denied Christ three times and still mm. was recruited. So yeah. now, now uh, we are the church. Are we the shepherd? Are we, is, is that the continuation of the story? I believe Yes that we are, Peter is only the first, he, he's, he and the other apostles then take that discipleship. That's what discipleship is. It's essentially training yeah. up more shepherds to, to shepherd the flock and all of us, not just pastors, yeah. although that's what the word means, uh, that all of us are called to that, that role of feeding and caring for the sheep. Um, yeah, I think that that is exactly right. Even in coronavirus season, we're still the shepherd. Jesus is asking us to be, and this is hard. Like for, for somebody that just said my anxiety is like steadily climbing, like being the shepherd is not easy. It is not an easy thing, especially when there's a pandemic. But right now, like despite whatever stuff, like Aaron, Jaden, can you, uh, <laughs> guys, no, it's fine. Believe it or not. You're disturbing Tyler. You're going to need to be even more quiet I'm, than you're already being. I'm keeping all this in. I'm not editing it. <laughs> uh, Jesus is asking you, friend of the pod, to be the shepherd, despite whatever stuff you're coming out of, like Maren was talking about with her personal life, whatever stuff I'm not dealing with, uh, despite the things that keep me awake at night, like we are still called to be the shepherd, to watch yeah. the sheep. Well, and if Christ is our example, and if we are little Christs as Christians, he was the shepherd that ultimately laid down his life for the sheep. 
And that's why for me, it's a, it's a joy to go serve at the care center. And I know that there are so many congregants that wish they had an opportunity to do that. Like right now, you know, for the last two weeks, we've kept it to staff only, but we all have ways that we can lay down our lives for our neighbors. Um, <laughs> I had a moment this week where Jed and I went to Walmart. That was the highlight of his week for sure. He got to go <laughs> socialize sort of at Walmart. Here it goes. Why are what they so it? long? <laughs> what? <laughs> what was it, Tyler? You'll find out. Oh my All goodness! Right. No, it was the hey. uh, it was the kazoo. Oh. You went to Walmart. <laughs> that was a lot of work for a kazoo. Um, but anyway, I I come around the corner of the little like Walmart shopping, like the small one that's on like 37 or whatever, and there's already a line forming. So something must be about to go down. And it turns out the toilet paper truck had just tried. Oh my gosh. And pallets of toilet paper. Yeah. And I got to be fourth in line, you guys. Wow. Fourth line. The heavens opened and there was my place in line. I was fourth. The line eventually wrapped around the store, like down the aisle and around the corner to the point where I couldn't even see the people anymore. And they were only allowing customers one package per person wow. in line. And the lady behind me, you know, as we stood there for probably 25 minutes before we were even allowed to like receive our packaged goods, um, she said that she was in line for an elderly woman who couldn't get out of the house. Oh, and wow. the woman, the woman behind me, she said, I don't even need toilet paper right now. She's like, but I know that my neighbor does. Mm. And it's just small things like that. Like you think lay down your life means I have to like jump in front of a train or like lay down on the tracks and die. Like this woman, this stranger that I don't even know, her, her laying down her life, standing in a long line mm. for something that would benefit somebody else, yeah. for something yeah. that she didn't even need. And yeah. so in that wow. sense, I feel like we could all we could all be like Jesus, the shepherd who laid down his life. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. All right, Barry, where are we, where are we heading the rest of the series? What are uh, we doing? So the next message Tim is giving, and it's all about the betrayal. So we're picking right, right up in the next verse from where we ended this week, where we're going to look at Judas betraying Jesus in the garden. And I think Tim is excited because he's going to give some new light to the whole Judas story that I think it might be really provocative, interesting. Cool. I'm going to have to figure out how to play music <laughs> on this podcast while Tim's here. Yes. No, that'd be good. Um, okay. Here are some things just, we're, we're trying to communicate this as much as possible, but in case you missed it, here's some things that you can look forward to from Grace Church. Got a prayer gathering on Wednesday. By the time this podcast comes out, you should have like 30, 30 minutes heads up, but there's going to be a <laughs> prayer gathering. Uh, you can watch that on our website. We're going to stream that um, at, what do we say, 7 o'clock Wednesday. And uh, we're going to try to do something like that every week. So there's prayer gatherings that we can kind of come together as as the as the church body and pray for each other, for uh, for our church, for our country, for our world, for people that are 
suffering. Um, so that's one thing. The care center, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, you can go if you're if you're interested in <clears throat> if you're interested in helping. Uh, Marin said a lot of people are looking for something to do while we're still trying to figure out how to uh, incorporate volunteers into the actual physical part of the care center. There's a lot people can do. And I, I served last week um, at on Friday, which is basically like go around the city and pick up donations day. And I was the guy that was driving the van around picking up donations. And when we pick up donations, we're picking up from partners, uh, corporate partners that are trying to keep their own shelves stocked right now. And so the no, do, no, donations were a little bit lighter than probably I would have expected. So you can help by donating to the care center, either through the grace, uh, the GCC foundation, uh, financially, or you can see a list of items that the care center really, really needs that you can pick up and drop off throughout the week. Uh, we are very reliant on donations to make sure that the care center stays open. So please consider that. Um, also, Barry talked about it earlier in the pod. Your generosity keeps this ship afloat, not just between Sundays, but uh, all, all the lives that we're talking about uh, that are practically being touched um, and pastorally being touched throughout this whatever season we're in right now is because of people's generosity. So thank you. If you can continue to give to Grace financially, please consider setting up online giving. You can give a one-time gift or set up recurring gifts, but you can do that on our website as well. So, guys, thanks for doing this. Uh, I'll try to get the tech a little more smooth next week so that you guys don't sound like you're in a wind tunnel. Um, <laughs> I just thought of myself and made sure that I sounded really good, but you guys... I'll, I'll try to I'll try to work on you guys next week. Uh, but I miss you. I hope we get to see each other soon. Um, Marin, will you please send us out? Sure thing, guys. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. It's awkward just sitting here as the outro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you do what you have to do.